Hi everyone, my name is Kina and this video is going to be about relational healing. So I figured for most of the people on this channel you've probably watched um, some of my foundational videos about attachment style and about the nervous system and so um, I kind of went off more of a script with those and for this I think I'm just kind of going to talk off the cuff um, about my experiences and my thoughts and I hope that it all makes sense if you have any questions or you need any clarification or I skip over something too fast, uh, please let me know. So I've just been thinking a lot about attachment and attachment style and attachment healing and relationships recently and I've been thinking a lot about this idea of relational healing because it's something that I wasn't really exposed to until pretty recently. The way that I kind of viewed relationships and the information that I had absorbed was that healthy relationships are something that you have to earn by getting to a certain level of healthiness within yourself first. Like if you want to, you know, you guys have probably heard people say, how can you expect other people to love you if you don't love yourself? Or uh, kind of people feeling that they're, they're not in a position where they're ready to have close connections because of their trauma or because of the pain that they're still processing. And I do want to legitimize that there can be good reasons for people to decide to abstain from romantic relationships for a while uh, while they're going through recovery or trauma treatment. And the reason for that is that romantic relationships tend to be uh, the most triggering of our attachment wounds and bring up our most deeply repressed fears and anxieties. And so they can be really dysregulating for people who haven't um, done a certain level of trauma recovery or trauma healing yet but romantic relationships aren't the only types of relationships and they're not the only types of relationships that can give you secure attachment and help meet attachment needs uh, and provide relational healing there's so many examples of relational healing a good therapist is an example of relational healing um, if you have a good therapist who understands attachment they'll understand that Part of healing trauma is having reparative experiences. Reparative experiences being experiences of connecting with other people that break your scripts and your patterns for what it means to be close to other people and create new meaning and new possibilities for the fact that connections could actually be safe and enriching. Um, so a good therapist is not just helping you work through your attachment wounds, they're actually also helping model what a secure attachment can be like by giving you the unconditional positive regard and acceptance and validation that you need. So that's an example, mental health professionals, trauma coaches, like people even online. Um, when I read Pete Walker's book, one thing he said is that if someone has really severe trauma and they don't feel like they can connect or feel safe with other people, it can start in small ways. It can start even with connecting with authors, with people's videos online, um, reaching out to other people online. It can start with your connection with a pet. Uh, you can build up. So as I go through this video, I also don't want you to think that I'm saying you need to go find super close, healthy, amazing, supportive relationships right now or you won't be able to heal because that's also not what I'm saying. Um, what I am saying is that trauma, especially complex trauma, is very, very, very often, almost always, I would say, based on relationship trauma and attachment trauma, chronic disruptions to attachments and things that damaged our ability to attach with other people and ourselves in a way that meets our needs. So to tie it back to what I was saying a second ago, this idea that you kind of can't be close enough to people to get your needs met until you've earned it 
by some certain standard of recovery, I just want to like burn that whole idea. Um, and that was something that I really absorbed for a long time. It caused a lot of shame. It's something that I actually heard directly from other people. People would tell me that. Like I remember times of expressing loneliness and saying that like I just felt really lonely um, and being told specifically like, well, I don't think you would be able to offer anything to a relationship right now because you're too unstable. Um, just kind of really like internalizing this message that I had to fix myself before I deserve to be loved and accepted by other people and it's it's damaging and I think it recreates a lot of the shame that trauma survivors already naturally feel about their worth and about how much they deserve to be loved and accepted and, and in relationships so the whole idea of relational healing is that um, you know these these traumatic attachment wounds come from these unsafe and damaging relationship experiences and from not having our developmental needs for security and attachment met and so part of healing is learning how to give yourself those developmental needs how to meet those developmental needs that weren't met before and there's two ways to do that you can you can do that in your relationship with yourself and you can do that in your relationship with other people and they're both vital um so i'll, I'll explain a little bit more uh the idea of earned secure attachment is the category for someone who did not grow up in a securely attached household, did not have secure attachments modeled for them, grew up with an insecure attachment style, anxious, avoidant, dismissive, disorganized, um, but as an adult grew to be able to learn new attachment patterns and have uh, secure attachments in adulthood. It's called earned secure attachment, which I kind of love because you do have to earn it, but not like by being good enough. It's like you have to earn it by working hard and working hard at being vulnerable and breaking out of shame-based thinking. And um, it's, it's deep work to change your attachment pattern because our attachment styles were developed to protect us and they were based on our earliest molds for what relationships are. So it's, it's hard work, but it's worth it. So when you're earning secure attachment, I think another way of looking at it is that you are learning how to meet those developmental needs that were unmet um, in your childhood. I think a lot of people refer to this as reparenting yourself. You might have heard it referred to that way. Um, you're reparenting yourself by becoming the, the consistent, warm, loving connection that you did not have in an adult when you were younger. And I think that can also be referred to as inner child healing. Like a lot of the things that I've talked about with inner child healing are ultimately connected to uh, creating secure attachment patterns. So it's all kind of the same thing. Like it all really interconnects. And uh, the idea of earning secure attachment has a few kind of main pieces that I'm going to talk about. Um, so the first piece is creating a secure attachment with yourself, an internal environment of security and consistency where your inner child feels safe to heal and to feel and to start opening up to connection with others in meaningful ways. So there, there is some truth to the fact that um, relational healing does depend on also trying to heal your relationship with yourself. As you heal your relationship with yourself, you're also healing your relationship with other people. So one of the things that happens with attachment trauma is that people will inadvertently recreate their attachment trauma in the way that they treat themselves and that they respond to themselves when they're in distress. And distress tends to be one of the biggest trigger points, but this can also exist when you're not feeling distressed, just in the general way that you respond to yourself. So what I mean by that is that 
um, if you experienced abandonment, if you experienced neglect, and if you experienced betrayal as a child, and those patterns haven't been kind of processed and fully healed yet, one of the ways that that might manifest is unconscious patterns of self-betrayal, self-neglect, and self-abandonment in adulthood and in relationships. And that can look like so many different things. I mean, self-neglect can look like every single way of not taking care of yourself, not advocating for yourself, not um, having self-protective instincts that you can act upon to assert yourself and stand up for yourself. It can look like lying about how you feel or not saying the truth about what you need or what's going on. It can look like accepting treatment from people that you know you shouldn't be accepting or staying in relationships that you know are detrimental to you. Um, And it can also look like specifically shutting down and becoming blaming and critical of yourself when you have strong emotions or or when you're distressed. So those patterns of kind of self-abandonment and self-betrayal have a major impact in our ability to show up and receive the benefit of relationships. Because if you're, for example, like persistently fawning or always in a flight mode, um, you're not actually able to really like experience and benefit from the potential of a secure attachment because you're not being vulnerable or taking risks of kind of authenticity enough to receive. And I think that's where the the kind of self-protection piece comes in because all attachment styles were originally created as a self-protective mechanism to try to protect us from whatever the like pain or dysfunction that we experienced in childhood was. So like, for example, a lot of people who have parents who are very enmeshed and don't have boundaries and are very um, invasive, might grow up to have like avoidant attachment styles because they unconsciously believe that letting someone in and being close to someone means not having any rights, not having a voice, not having their privacy. They have these unconscious beliefs that they'll have to sacrifice themselves to be with other people. Just one example. Um, But you know, where does that come from? Part of that comes from not having learned and embraced those self-protective, self-advocating skills because they weren't encouraged or were maybe even actively discouraged or punished in childhood. So what I'm saying with all of this is that part of creating a secure attachment for your inner child is doing that kind of reparenting and inner child healing that you hear people talk about where you are learning how to uh, respect your emotions, listen to your needs, listen to your body, and then also really working on advocating, like assertiveness, learning about boundaries and practicing being real and vulnerable. and taking the risk of rejection that comes with being yourself or advocating for what you need because you know that your integrity and your relationship to yourself and your own authenticity uh, has to be kind of the the number one priority and the foundation of any relationship that is going to be healing. because in order for it to be healing you have to feel like that person sees you for who you are and respects you and like you have the right to to use your voice and to to speak up um so you know that can look a lot of different ways and i just kind of gave a few examples but the main point i'm just trying to make is that um learning how to connect with your own emotions and needs and advocate for yourself and doing kind of different kinds of inner child healing and and reparenting is important because it helps build the skills that you need to have reparative experiences and relationships that break the cycles instead of repeating them. And that is the second part of earning secure attachment. Uh, It's having a secure enough, safe enough, 
face to practice and have reparative experiences with. And I like that they use the phrase secure enough or safe enough because it's not like, you know, you don't have to be with the love of your life. You don't have to have a perfect relationship. You don't have to have people that you never have conflict with. Um, but you have to find people that meet a few requirements to, to earn secure attachment and use those relationships as opportunities to, to do that and to change those patterns. Um, it has to be a completely you know, non-abusive, safe relationship. It has to be someone who can offer you consistency and predictability. So someone who is, and that doesn't mean they never have a bad day, but someone who's grounded enough in themselves that they can give you consistent reactions when you come to them expressing yourself or advocating for your needs. Um, it's not gonna be a toss up of like, one day they're nice to you and one day you, know, you get ignored. Um, it's someone who you can trust that will be able to give you a predictable and consistent response of openness and acceptance and warmth when you come to them being vulnerable and being authentic. Um, and it also has to be a relationship with boundaries and where you both feel able to use your voice and ask for what you need. And like I said, that can start with a therapist and you can also practice those skills in small ways. So a lot of times people get overwhelmed with the idea of having to like suddenly and 100% change their entire way of uh, navigating relationships when all of these different mechanisms have been built up to protect them. And so I, I think it's also helpful to remember you can practice this just a little bit at a time, like one little moment of telling someone how you really feel or asking for what you really need. Um, one moment of like practicing setting boundaries. Uh, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And, and when you do those little things, you also kind of get more of a feeling of who in your life is available to be consistent and to be safe and to be secure and, and who might be able to be a good support for you while you're on this journey. Um, so yeah, branching out and finding people who can help offer you reparative experiences is really important. And I think also one of the things that really helps is talking about attachment openly in your relationships and talking about what you're working on openly. This doesn't have to be something that's like a secret, shameful internal process. I think a lot of people who have anxious attachment or codependency or, or other attachment trauma that disrupts their relationships will navigate relationships with almost a feeling of shame and needing to kind of like keep themselves under control or like control their emotions and their patterns and instincts to not scare the other person off or to appear in a certain way and um, I think the way that that can be averted is by really bringing these conversations out into the open with our friends with our therapists with the people we're dating like whoever it is um, if you feel comfortable enough to do so or to start to do so and to, to openly discuss like what the patterns that you're working on are and be able to kind of bring a certain mindfulness to it uh, where your attachment patterns aren't going to be unconsciously motivating your relationships, but it's something that you can both be bringing like consciousness to. And I think that's, that's the other thing is like, the reality is some people have secure attachments uh, and secure attachment styles without having to earn it and work for it. Some people are born or raised with secure attachments, but in the messed up world we live in, I feel like the majority of people have some sort of attachment trauma and um, we all need relationships to heal. Like the, the opposite side of this idea that you need to get better before you can have relationships is that none of us will get better until we have relationships um, in, a, in a substantial and deep way. We need each other and we need reparative experiences and we need connections and support and community um, 
we're biologically wired to be part of a pack, to be social animals. Our nervous systems are built for connection uh, and trauma is the thing that takes away our ability to meet those needs for ourselves. And then it becomes this perpetual cycle of like depression and anxiety and all these different symptoms. Um, but also fear of trying to do the thing that you need because a history of abusive or dysfunctional or toxic relationships can create the sense of doom. Like I'll never be healthy or I'll never be able to um, find healthy relationships that will be different than these past experiences. So I think that's another really good reason to bring up attachment with people and talk about it. Um, I, I believe that anyone can create a healing relationship if both people are willing to be vulnerable, to talk openly, and to make effort. Um, but when you know when you have a relationship where one person is working on changing and bringing consciousness to their attachment style and the other person isn't, that usually is not going to work super well. So the, the degree to which you can openly discuss these things and um, without shame or judgment, like show that vulnerability and, and be authentic and communicate about the different things that come up in relationships regarding attachment um you'll find other people who are open to having these conversations and you'll also find that it's pretty universal like a lot of people feel these things and struggle with these things and just don't know how to say it or how to talk about it so to summarize, um, I really recommend learning a lot about boundaries and assertiveness and what secure and healthy attachments and communication patterns look like and practicing in small ways. I recommend taking small risks of opening up and advocating for your needs and seeing how it goes. Uh, I would say trying to think about the people in your life and evaluating who the people you already have who can offer you security and consistency are, or if you can't think of anyone, how you might start to build some of those supports in your life. And also remember while you're working on this stuff that whatever attachment pattern you have is built on self-protective instincts and instincts to try to get needs met. So if you do the work to try to figure out what those needs are and how you can meet them in healthy and fulfilling ways, you can slowly move away from self-protection and towards connection, which is the major shift that happens in relationship trauma. Our, the way that we're wired for connection gets shifted towards being wired for protection. So that is what attachment healing is really based on, is getting back to a place of connection instead of protection. And one of the ways to do that is to start to really build trust with yourself where your inner child and the hurt and scared parts of you know that you can be the one to use your voice to set boundaries and to leave if something is hurting you. And with that knowledge that you have the capacity and tools to defend yourself also comes a greater ability to take risks and connect with other people even if it's scary. So I hope this all made sense and thank you for watching.